0: And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode
1: 103. (laughs) of Myth Bits. And scene. <laughs> I didn't intend it to be like more of an epic uh, introduction you know uh, went more for a horror theme that is the theme of today's episode
0: that's the theme of all episodes this all month, month long. I don't care
1: <laughs> all month long it is horror month Hor- horror month horror horror month Um. so I have a little story for you to start off this horror based episode we take ourselves back to the summer of 2015, <laughs> 16, maybe? Somewhere around there. Uh, they had a vintage um, thrift shop uh, set up in the park. You know, so, like, every, all these vendors would come through with all their antiques, and they set it up just like a thrift shop, but it's outdoors. A flea market. Sure. <laughs> so... I went over to the park and I was looking through all the vendors and I come across one particular vendor and they had, you know, pretty much all the normal vintage, you know, got this dresser over here and then they tried to um, uh, refurbish furniture too on one side. But something really caught my eye. When I looked down, I saw the shoe box and it had like old paper like, crumbled up into it. And I, I look down into the shoebox, and I just take the paper back. And I just separate that little sucker, and I see the most interesting looking doll I've ever <laughs> seen. It, how do I describe this? It has the most peculiar physique body is square well rectangle rectangular and it has its face sewn on right so it's as though if somebody were to peel somebody else's face on there and it looks like it was glued onto a hard uh, I don't even know what that is
0: it's all fabric
1: Yeah, it's all fabric. Its hair comes down into what you would seem to be a ponytail in the back, but it also could be a noose because it has a collar on it. And that collar is a solid ring of brass, looks like. Um, But it is very creepy like was handmade um not i'm not quite sure who you know would have made this um but the real point of the story was the vendor came over and told me the story of how she found it so she was telling me she went up into this um uh, estate sale and she went into the attic of this house where they had a bunch of belongings and tucked away in the box was this doll and the daughter I believe of the homeowner had warned this young lady that they had no idea where this doll came from and it had been in the attic ever since she could remember there was no story behind it. So obviously, I had to purchase this said doll. And she or he or it now sits upon the shelf of oddities in the <laughs> front room.
0: Yeah, the the closest thing like we can even find about it is uh it's like a a, a stockinette type of doll, just a, a fabric. And I've never seen anything like it. Um, and I grew up with people who collected dolls. Uh, there's some, some fun trauma there, but, uh, (laughs) it's, it's the weirdest thing. It's, it's, it's a rag doll and, um, not like a a raggedy ann doll. It's just like a rag doll. And, uh, we, we do, we collect kind of weird little things, um,
1: yeah, because I remember that you had said, oh, this is the point in which we're murdered in our sleep by the doll. Yeah,
0: and this I, this had to be before, this was before, I think, like, Annabelle came out and all those. Yeah. But do, does anybody remember the movie from, I think it was, like, 1986, 87, called Dolls? Do you remember that one? Yes, loved it. Okay, my stepbrother, I was probably, like, four three four years old and my stepbrother was like hey I'm gonna make you watch this movie um and so he sat me down and he made me watch this movie and it terrified me because you know I was I was just I loved dolls I I had plenty of dolls and uh now they were being turned into this horrible horrible thing and we're not talking like Chucky we're not talking about a very specific doll we're talking about all sorts of dolls we're talking about uh porcelain dolls decorative dolls all these kind of dolls that my mom had in her house that my grandma had in her house (laughs) and so it was just always kind of I don't know, like it, it it genuinely like traumatized me um seeing that movie at such a young age. And um and even my stepdad, um he he was a, a practical joker. The problem was he liked to joke with us kids in ways that were probably not good for kids. I don't know if any, again, if anybody remembers back in like the early nineties, there were these things, I think they were big in the eighties and nineties and they were also cloth dolls. Um, but they were probably about three, three feet tall and they would stand in the corner. They didn't have a face. They had their arms folded up, covering their eyes. Like they were playing hide and seek where they were punished in the corner and I don't know why it was just like this weird white suburban thing. I it was just a weird, weird thing to have a child in the corner. Don't understand why it was a big thing. Well, when those were, I wouldn't say popular, somehow my stepdad found one and he brought it home and scared us to death because we could account for all the kids in the house and that was not one of the kids (laughs) and he also was somebody who would do sound effects I don't know why this was the hill he decided he was going to live and fight on to do these weird noises (laughs) but he did and it was horrible so he could like kind of I wouldn't say throw his voice, but we were kids. So he would just make these sounds and we wouldn't grasp that it was an adult teasing us. So, yeah, so so this doll anyway, it's it's like the one that Joe Joe grabbed. It was about it's probably like eight to ten inches tall. And so it's tiny. So I think we could take it if it tries to kill us. You know, I'm pretty sure.
1: I don't think so. You ever seen Puppet Master? That's true. You know? Um, but uh yeah, I, I know where you're getting from <laughs> because uh my grandma she had plenty of dolls. And it's always weird, like when you're a kid and you always have these nightmares and everything about dolls. You know, and it's it's so uh ridiculous. Um I remember I think they brought it back, but I remember uh there was this T V show called The Outer Limits.
0: Remember that one yeah
1: i love that show like <laughs> uh whenever i would go visit my grandma we, me and my cousin would watch the outer limits and they always had such interesting sh- like short stories on there you know um but uh, i can recall i think one of my earliest nightmares that i can recall when i was a kid is uh i think i was being chased out of the garage by these These gremlins, you know, and it's one of those dreams to where, like, they're able to pull you back into the garage for some reason, you know, and uh, it it was just, it was just a recurring. And that was weird, too, because that one was recurring, right? So it's like I didn't just have it once.
0: Mm.
1: So that's
0: odd. Well, I had it when I was really little. I had this. We lived um, our house. we, We lived Right across from an alfalfa field, and if you went just a couple houses down, it was a very, very like quiet, peaceful, tranquil neighborhood. There weren't sidewalks or anything, but if you if you went down just like a few houses, there was a church, and then even further, you would uh, basically walk down to down to the river, um, and. My brother, you know, he was able to always go down and play, play by the river. I was never allowed to go out by myself. I, it was weird. Um, but it was very strange because like for, for, for quite a few years growing up, I don't remember ever going past the church, like headed down the road. It was a road. It wasn't like it, it just stopped at the church and then it became, uh, uh nature it was still a road um but i couldn't remember ever making it past the church and i would have these these recurring dreams and it was always it was just very odd because again i was very little i was you know between like 4 and 6 maybe and in the dream um it was always on the left side of the road the the right side was where the church was, but on the left side, there was uh, a Victorian tea party, and not of of little girls or anything, but like full grown women, you know, and and just Victorian regalia, um, and it was white, just astonishing, astonishingly white, and um, it was just it 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 there was nothing about it beyond these women being there, you know, and being in a part of, um, you know, the street that I, I had never been to. So, um, you know, you can take it as a creepy, you know, more than likely just my child brain manufacturing a place and a location for something that I couldn't necessarily recall, um, but, like, the fact that recurring dreams, I think, are just always interesting because, you know, for them to be almost immaculate, you know, in, in reproduction each time that we can tell, at least. I always think that's interesting. And I had the dream a couple times as an adult, um, but it was it was pretty regular when I was a kid.
1: That's weird because, like, I had this reoccurring dream when I was an adult, my like early adult. Uh, and... I would be in the school it was almost like modeled after my high school but the, the halls were all dark and it was always night and for some reason like it was swampy too like the the, the, the land is swampy and this is the desert we're talking about so there's yeah. no swamp available right <laughs> except for the river but uh you know and for some reason it was always this like uh like a lady you know what actually now that I recall, it was almost like the Bly Manor, because like you have the Lady of the Lake in a swampy, and it was kind of like that. and She wandered the halls of the high school instead of the house, though. Huh. Right? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so I would always have that dream in high school, you know.
0: Weird.
1: It was, it was very odd. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, recurring dreams. What can you do though?
0: Well i just i i you know I think it's fun, you know, especially like discussing horror themes um i love um I love the idea of being scared um by uh fiction or otherwise inexplicable things and i'm I'm a skeptic um regarding. <sighs> anything supernatural you know I'm, I'm not somebody who you know uh truly truly I guess wholeheartedly believes um but I, I I will go to great lengths to scare myself um and when I say that I mean you know it's like because the last movie that I saw as an adult and it was probably about 10 years ago Was the film Wreck. Um, If you haven't seen that movie, you may have seen its American remake, Quarantine, which meh. (laughs) But because it was pretty much just a a, a literally scene by scene uh, remake. And uh, it was just. eh. But Wreck was scary. And this is my my personal opinion, because it was a Spanish film. It is a Spanish film. And. I, I don't like watching films, anything where it's sub or uh, uh, what do you call it? Subbed. No, not sub- subtitled. Uh, dubbed. Dubbed. <laughs> mm-hmm. I prefer subtitles. You know, um, you
1: don't want them running around and for some reason out of the right corner of the speaker it says, Jimmy, and his mouth is still moving? Yeah. Is that what you don't... You don't it's just are, distracting. i are not it's... a fan of the kung fu films of the 70s?
0: Okay, that one's a little bit different because there's so much more to pay attention to. Because you have choreography and you have, you know, yeah, a their lot mouth more. Yeah, because
1: their mouth is going... Yeah. You killed no, my father. No, we can't
0: see you do that. You killed my father. <laughs> the point is, though... Um, I love subtitled media because, uh, you kind of drown in it. you know, you're really, really in it, you know, you're you're sucked in. And so when I watched Rec,, um, you're really paying attention. You are uh, trying to to maintain focus, you know, because you're reading the subtitles, you are totally enveloped by the screen. Um, and so in something, terrifying happens, it's, it's engulfing. And I love that feeling. You know, it's a controllable feeling as it is with, with most horror media. Um, but it was, um, it just, it was, it was a really pleasantly scary moment. And, um, I don't know. I just, I love those. I love, um, I love being scared, um, like that because it's, I, there's so few things that scare me these days. And, and you've probably heard me ramble on about, oh, nothing scares me, blah, blah, blah. Nothing in, in, in media scares me, I should say. Um, and so anytime I can kind of like grab it and seize it, I do. And, and like I said, I will go out of my way to try to be scared. I will turn off the lights. I will, you know, uh, do do just about everything I can for that, like, lovely kind of feeling. You know, and and I don't know why. There's a whole lot of psychology there, I'm sure, but... It's because you're an
1: adrenaline junkie. Maybe. No, it is because when you're scared, your brain releases the adrenaline Is if you were actually scared of something. Like, one time, like that one time I saw that mountain lion.
0: Mm. That was, Yeah, no, that's not a fear I want to feel.
1: That was the only time I think that I was really, <laughs> yeah. really, like, shocked. Like, put me in a shock. And you really feel the flight or fight, like, drug in your brain just swirl around. <laughs> and you see this giant beast and you're like, oh, man. You know? I might die. Yeah, because that could, you know... That mountain lion, if it wanted to, I would have been tasty too. Yeah, you know? but um, I'm not quite sure. I just uh oh, let's bring it back. So, I was in a canyon one time hiking, and uh, I climb up these rocks. And this this particular um place was actually uh, uh home to ancient Native Americans at the time. So there is indeed scriptures amongst the caverns and the walls and everything so i climb up through this uh creek bed and i hike up and within the field the it's very much the picture this i climb it up you know all i smell is the dirt around me and the next thing i know is all i hear is silence as the birds flutter (laughs) from the brush And I look out into the distance and probably half a football field away, I see the largest cat I've ever seen. And I was like, oh man, (laughs) you know, um, but I think I'm not sure because I know that mountain lions or cougars are mostly nocturnal animals. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure why it was out. Maybe it escaped from that zoo, that local zoo that was over there. I'm not sure what. No. You know. um, all I know is I was not on the menu that day. Yeah. So, luckily. Um. But that was, like, this true fear. So, I think, like, we, we try to replic- replicate this, this feeling of fear for the adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that was the one time where your heart is, you just wants to escape out of your body.
0: Well, even like, okay, so here's mm-hmm. here's kind of a funny story. Um, so a few years ago, I was reading the book Haunted by Chuck Palahniuk. Now, if you've ever seen that book in person, um, it's got a, a kind of, kind of a, a malformed face on the cover, and um, it glows in the dark. I will take a picture and post it to our Instagram. So you know what I'm talking about if you don't. Um, So one night, uh, I was up by myself. Joe was already asleep. Um, I had the lights turned out and the Blair Witch Project was on TV. So I turned it on. I'm watching it by myself. I've seen it for, you know, this is probably the thousandth time I'm watching it. And... It gets to the end, which, spoiler alert, uh, ends with one of our main characters just standing in the corner. And that's that. Camera drops. Boom, you're done. Um, One of the best cinematic endings in horror, in my opinion, uh, in terms of just creep factor. And so I kind of, you know, I'm like, ooh, that was was nice. You know, I'm like satisfied. Just that... Ugh. So I get up. Uh, I go to the bathroom. Do my business. I turn off the light as I'm on my way out. And there in the dark is this white, pale face staring at me. And if nobody was awake, I'm pretty sure I had woken them up because I, I screamed. I was genuinely just aghast. There was this white face following me in the bathroom and when I turned the light on I realized it was uh the book the haunted by Chuck Palahniuk uh which yes had been in the bathroom uh and it just oh like that still to me is one of the funniest stories because of of how like I scared myself and I love it because it just was again that kind of controlled horror after the fact you know during the happen, you know, while it was happening, it was not a controlled horror. You know, it was, it was, you know, I genuinely thought I was going to uh, have the life sucked out of me by this, 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 uh, apparition, <laughs> but, uh, it turns out it was a book. So thank you, Chuck Palahniuk, for that, uh, nice little, uh, spooky scenario. Uh,
1: <laughs> Enter Joe in his boxers, swinging nunchaku. <laughs> <laughs> I know.
0: Who oh. wants some. <laughs> Joe's always been kind of funny. I remember one time we were living in an area that wasn't um, particularly uh, the, the the safest, <laughs> and there's this huge explosion, um, and. Uh ultimately, it turned out to be a Transformer had blown. And so all the power went off, but we didn't know it was a Transformer. So Joe, you know, he he stands there. He's got a freaking bow and arrow <laughs> standing in a Kelly Kapowski T-shirt with his Dickie shorts, his socks pulled up to his knees. <laughs> and He's just looking out the window like ready. Like we're going to fight
1: this. This is a... <laughs>
0: This is a long, long, long time ago. <laughs>
1: that was a trailer park special right there. <laughs>
0: no.
1: So we were living in a trailer park. So I was like, well, uh, might as I well
0: have, act the part. I have a picture somewhere. <laughs> but no, so I, I I don't know. Like there's something though about um, I think you should just
1: be glad I could actually shoot that thing.
0: That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. Um No, there's just there's something very like satisfying about that kind of um, scare, especially when it's, like, a feeling you want, you know, um, when you go into to watch a horror film or read a book or watch, you know, silly videos on YouTube or even watching, like, like, ghost adventures or something like that, um, you're going into it with the expectation that you want to be scared, right? Um, and, you know, there's, I don't know exactly what it is, you know, we'd obviously just talked about it the the adrenaline but I think there's more to it and I think um you know again like like I was listening to to uh Eli Roth and and Stephen King talk about it last week um where they were kind of discussing it where when when something scares you like in a film or or in the media and um it's it's that like that factor that it's a safe place it's a safe place to be scared you're allowed to go into a movie theater well not so much today but you're allowed to go into a movie theater or sitting on your couch at home and watch a movie and you're allowed to kind of release that that feeling you know where especially you know if if you know, there's a, a very real scenario that's occurring where, you know, you you're not sure how you're going to react. But if you are genuinely scared, you know, Joe and the Mountain Lion. Um, so, you know, if you're watching a horror film. And you know that that ghost is not there in your room. You know, you know that you're safe and you know that you. You. Uh, even like on an evolutionary scale, a um, scale where if uh, you know fear kind of takes you over, fight or flight, you're not vulnerable. You know, like nothing's going to to actually hurt you based on your physical reaction. So I think that it's just it's it's fun nowadays. It's fun today. It's not fun, you know. Like I said, when it's a, a real scenario. But it's fun today. And this whole thing has just been a long way to segue to something else I want to talk about. And I'm going to set the stage once more. The other night I was writing and uh, trying to pump out something interesting and cool for the Halloween issue. Um, Whether it'll make it, I don't know. But I was trying to write and I put on um, The Haunting of Hill House. Soundtrack because as you know, as I, I sat there and bickered and fought last week about how much I love Mike Flanagan, that's been kind of consuming my memory. <laughs> so I was listening to the soundtrack, um, because it, it is an amazing soundtrack. And um there is a track from the soundtrack that is titled Darkness and Chaos. And I don't know if we can actually put it in here uh, without getting our butts in trouble, but go listen to it. I had my headphones on and I was writing a very violent scene and um, I found myself actually jumping, you know, like jumping out of my seat. As I was writing this and feeling this and having this, this audit audio, like just kind of bleed into me. And at that, I want to talk about the importance and the majesty and the beauty of composing and scores. Because at our core... This whole podcast is about artists. It's about um, how you use your medium to tell a story. Doesn't matter what the story is, it doesn't matter how you're telling it, but we are all trying to tell a story. And
1: um Wait, ever hear Hans Zimmerman talk about composing. First thing he says on that what was he seen the trailer for the master class? For his master class, the first thing he says is, it starts with story.
0: Yeah. Right. And that's true. And, I mean, if you think about any film, even even a lot of audiobooks, especially these days, um, how influential and suggestive the score is. And I know most of you already know this. I know, you know, we all appreciate it. But I really, the one thing, and, and even last week on my, my little rant, <laughs> the, the biggest thing I truly, truly believe in is... For the most part, we as artists, we all strive to put something out there that is something that we love, something we have put ourselves into. And when something is created, something that winds up being popular, something, you know, a song, a movie, a book, whatever it is, something gains popularity, it gains momentum. And... Whether it's good or bad, people think that their opinion, you know, oh, this was, this was garbage. That's somebody's creation. That's something somebody put time and effort into. So,
1: actually, I want to make a comment about that because I know where you're heading on to that. And due to last week's episode when we're talking about these reviews and these creations and everything... I can feel where you're going. Let let me go ahead and say, though, that studios do pump out generic stuff.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah, that's kind of a given. There are, you know, I think way back when, when we first kind of started talking here and you guys started listening to us, I brought up the first, one of the first things I brought up was Peter Jackson's The Hobbit. You know, that was you know, it it wasn't um, the same as Lord of the Rings. Well, you you
1: didn't want to do that (laughs) one. Exactly.
0: So, you know, and and so I, I totally, totally grasp it. But there was still love and there was still effort. There was still somebody on that set or somebody behind those scenes or somebody in that makeup or somebody somewhere who genuinely was like, I'm going to give this my full attention. I am going to exhaust energy on this. And that's, that's what I'm getting at. So when I talk about, you know, like these, these whole pictures, these whole, um, stories that we're seeing or reading or hearing, whatever the case is, um, and especially something like a film, or a show, or an album, there's never just one person. You know, there's somebody, whether it's, you know, even if you're writing, there's somebody who's there to read it for you, to help you edit it, to, you know, tell you, no, this was probably not the the best place to insert this. Maybe you should, you know, somebody's always there. And so, ultimately, everything takes a team. And that's why, like, I, I just really want to talk about how amazing and important a composition is. And especially with Joe and and his endeavor in music. And I've always loved soundtracks. I, I mean, from the time the movie Titanic came out in 1997 when I was eight years old and I was blown away because suddenly I grasped it all. Like, I got how important this music was for this film. And yes, I did go and see Titanic like four times in theaters because of Leonardo DiCaprio. But <laughs> um understanding just this importance of this, this kind of um thing we we kind of take for granted, I think. And so when I when I sit here and I talk about, you know, like like uh Hill House and the soundtrack that soundtrack is, in my personal opinion, should go down in history as one of the best soundtracks. One of the best scores. Um, and I don't know if anybody agrees with me. They probably probably don't. But on that note... It
1: was the Newton Brothers, by the way.
0: The Newton Brothers, yes. And they, they work with Mike Flanagan pretty exclusively. And... Um, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a Raman Jwadi, the composer behind Game of Thrones most uh, prominently and also Westworld. Um, now, if you've been listening, you know we have a very close relationship with the show Westworld and its composition. <laughs> but uh, somebody like Raman Jwadi, um, who is just a master, you know, he is a beast at what he does. And... Um, I don't know
1: well I'm gonna say that um you know the the composition definitely helps uh, create the entire environment when you create you know this environment you're creating the environment for the characters to sit in you know and even when you create an environment for its own to sit in like in music as a whole you know and if you guys listen to the mythmaster podcast and i'm sure if dawn's listening right now she can confirm that when you go to write, you have to think of the entire environment mm-hmm. you know um well, although then... so, <laughs> there <laughs> although there is like anything else there is a war between the sides you know um as it will be criticized amongst popular music versus contemporary music or classical music, right, um, that the have, you have the um, pop music that uses the exact same chord progression. Um, and as I'm very fresh, very green, obviously, right? Um, but as I'm going through... And, and learning these other things, and actually listening, and, and creating an antenna, to to be shrouded into the ground, you know, for the root system of the electrical wires to be able to spread through. There is a very large difference between setting the mood and. Um, creating a melody yeah it's
0: well and on top of that i just want to want to add this little bit when you're creating whether it is a song for something or whether it's something like to be played on the radio or whatever you're steering the audience that is the goal right you're steering an audience to understand the psychology of the feelings behind that moment Mm -hmm. right okay
1: So, yeah. So, let's... Okay. So, let's do this. Um, I actually have a piece that I wrote the other day um, entitled The Thespian. So, let's go ahead and play it right now.
0: That's Thespian.
1: Thespian. What did I say?
0: You said Thespian. Thespian. I just wanted to make sure it was cloudy. Okay. The Thespian.
1: (laughs) The Thespian. Um. Let's play it right now, and... Thank you. So I really had to dig a little bit for that one. Um, it was inspired by uh, one of my co-workers who was an actor. Or probably is still an actor? Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, ah, I'm going to say hopefully. I'm sure he's out there killing it. Um, but uh, it, it was based, I'm pretty sure, on his mentality. You know? Um, because... When we went to go see his show, it was in a small theater, and it was man, maybe what do you think? Like twenty seats were there, twenty people, mm, maybe less.
0: Give or take, yeah. It was it wasn't that that small a crowd, but it wasn't a huge crowd either.
1: But it was pretty nice production. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if I remember correctly, invited everybody from work, and nobody came, and they were taken aback that I actually went you know so i was more so just an antenna for that you know yeah. uh, theme so um and i feel that's what a lot of it is like when you hear these melodies or if you're going to go and create these melodies in these particular scales and everything like that um i kind of feel like it's just like an antenna and you, know, you have to like dial in to the correct Frequency. Frequency and station, you know. Um, You kind of hear it. It's very staticky at first. You just dial it in, and it'll, like, really talk to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Because everything starts with the piano. um, When it's either that or the guitar. Yeah. You know. Um, So, I don't want to keep going on about as though if I'm talking like I know anything about it. (laughs) You know,
0: no, but I think I mean, for anybody to assume that they are done learning about their craft is is just complete ignorance. So um, even though, yeah, you're still uh, essentially a newbie, um, you're not on any different uh, spectrum than than any other creator, you know, Um, and I think that's important to remember because at your core, you're striving to do something. Very deep.
1: I just think the large takeaway from this should be that if somebody out there wants to do something, they should go out and do it, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, look at Dave and PCE and Stephanie and everybody just coming together. Do They have this grand idea of stuff they want to do, and they just laser focus.
0: Yeah, and, you know, surround yourself, too, with an environment that appreciates uh your efforts and you know if if you say something like I want to paint a mural and if you're surrounded with people who are like that's kind of ridiculous I don't think you can do it. don't do that put yourself around people who are like oh my god do it like <laughs> do you need can I is there any way I can I can help you do you need me to hold a ladder so this totally went off the rails of horror and we just turned it into support.
1: <laughs> horror. Oh. Um No, I think it's because it came, came off from uh, composing. Yeah. And how the, the music is helping the environment of the characters. Um, you know, I think that's one trick for myself is when we create the, um, I guess, tutorial videos? I don't I'm really calling them Progress. Tutorial. I call them progress, progress videos. videos. The progress videos. When we create the progress videos... Um, if you're interested, they're on Jenna's Instagram or over on my YouTube, which is more like a stash to where I just put the videos and it's like one day, somebody's going to come in there and just blow the dust off those little babies. <laughs> they're going to blow the dust off they're and like, they'll be like,
0: oh, what's this little yeah, gold yeah, mine?
1: And it's going to be the crystal skull. Oh. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, one day though, um, so what was it? Oh, the tutorial videos, mm-hmm. the progress videos. Um I take the characters and then I try to imagine like them in in a scenario or an entire scene and what the music would sound like in this particular scene. That's the trick for the progress videos. Yeah, and
0: a lot of times like a lot of the the characters I draw, Joe doesn't always have 100% context. He doesn't have you know he hasn't watched it, or you know he only goes off of what I'm telling him, and he nails it each and every time. Oh, so either I'm really good at explaining it, <laughs> or as we all know, Joe is actually just super, super freaking talented. So probably not the later,
1: but <laughs> it is. Uh, it is. Guy Michael Moore actually. That's that's the funny part because Guy my Mi- Guy Michael Moore actually says to beware of reference tracks and that's pretty much what i work off of when you give me the reference <laughs> tracks and i'm 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 going through the list on spotify and i'm listening through and i'm like okay so i'm creating this environment i'm trying to create this environment off of the scene off of this um popular music that is presented
0: yeah you
1: know Um, I try
0: to do it. I try to send you like tracks for the the psychological aspect. Like, okay, these are songs that uh, to me as the viewer, kind of delving into this, this character analysis. uh, You know, these are these are songs that fit like the, the lyrics in the feeling of this character.
1: But that's the point, anyway, is that you're really trying to get behind because it's all circular. Because without the character and without the character development, you know, the song will not be as impactful. Yeah. Um, if you didn't have context for Love Story by the Newton Brothers, that's the main title of the, um, oh, it's the main, it's the main use. It's not the title menu, but it's the main song that they use it's mm-hmm. called Love Story. Right. And if you heard that song without seeing either one of those, you would you would probably think, oh, that's a nice song. It's a mm-hmm. nice, lo- nice little waltzy song. Yeah. But if you've seen um, The Haunting of Hill House or Bly Manor, then it really hits like, oh, my. You know? It's an
0: emotional.
1: And it goes even back with all the other ones. Yeah. The music is Psycho. You know the, Titanic. Vertigo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah even go go outside of horror Titanic and Jurassic Park. Um, you know all of the classics. Which mm-hmm. um, is weird. It's like Toy Story. You know that song <laughs> Blackbird, mm-hmm. that by the Beatles, and then they they um. They Sarah McLaughlin. Did they use Sarah McLachlan in Toy Story? Yeah. Okay. In
0: Toy Story three.
1: Three. I was I was in the grocery store, earlier. And I heard a cover of uh, Blackbird in a jazz style. And I'm like, I've never heard this before. <laughs> it was interesting. It was tricking my brain, you know. And if anybody has uh, any comments or gripes or anything like that about my piece, The Thespian, uh, you can contact me at sparksinspired on Instagram or go check out my little treasure trove of videos and the YouTube vault (laughs) at Sparks Inspired Um, or hit up MythBits, you know, Um, go to yell out over there.
0: Yeah. And two things, three things, a few things before we go. Um, I have a little, a little surprise planned for next week. Uh, just a little thing that I've been kind of excited to do that I've been holding on to for a uh, couple couple months now in anticipation for for Halloween um, and uh, again, I am so excited for the Halloween issue can't even begin to tell you how like freaking ecstatic I am. Um, not last, last, but second to last little piece, Um, I started listening to this podcast called Radio Rental last night because I just needed to stay awake and and do some work. And if you haven't listened to it, it is an absolute spooky treat. Um, All of you are all storytellers, so I know you will appreciate it. Again, if you haven't listened to it or heard of it, it uh, is hosted by Rain Wilson is the character uh, uh, Terry Carnation, um, who who runs a video rental store, and basically the 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 whole format is these true stories told by the people who experience them, and they're they're creepy, they're unnerving, they're scary, they're you know some are a little supernatural. Some are, you know, otherwise just, just these weird experiences. And if you just want something that's just a little eerie when you're sitting alone at night, maybe you're working on something uh, and you just, just need something to kind of keep your brain moving. This one was a good one. In fact, I like, it was like 1 30 AM and I was listening to it and I had to harass Dave and I'm like, you need to listen to this podcast. So I'm sure he was absolutely thrilled to receive that message. Um, but yeah. So on that note, so this is kind of, uh, not necessarily housekeeping, but it is important. And, um, we wanted to give a, a, a major shout out to, uh, Josh C. Adanti, um, he was he was the assistant administrator for PCE uh last year and uh him and his family are departing California um and so the Jasmon company you know we all really just think want to thank him for everything he's done and and all of his hard work for for PCE um and the expo and and yeah so just a, a nice little kind-hearted adieu, sir. Um,
1: Thank you very much. Although I'm pretty sure he is going to miss all the wildfires and the smoke. And not to mention the traffic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Who wouldn't miss it? Hey. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, for now, you can find us on www.theworldofmyth.com. We are on both Facebook and Twitter at The World of Myth Bits Podcast and The World of Myth Magazine. And we're also on Instagram at The World of Myth Bits. And like I said, I'm going to post a couple of the, the references from from our discussion so you know what the heck I'm talking about. Including the wonderful, horrific, uh, creepy little doll. So.
1: Thank you for listening.
0: Bye. The world of myth, bitch.
1: Madness takes its toll.